1: Welcome to the pastor's study. For this half hour, I don't think there is a more important question in life than the one we're going to tackle right now, namely, how is a person saved? In other words, how do you make sure you go to heaven for all eternity instead of hell for all eternity when you die? There are so many misconceptions on how you get into heaven. I hope you don't turn the channel the next 25, 28 minutes. Let's pray first. Father, we would pray that you would open our ears and that the people that are watching this program that don't quite know how to get to heaven, that they'll know by the end of this program, we pray that you would bring many people now to saving faith in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. To answer the question, how is a person saved, I just want to tell you the story of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was born in Germany in 1483. He died in 1546. Martin Luther's father wanted Luther to become a lawyer. But when Luther was a young man, he was going through the forest, a thunderstorm struck, and we don't know if Luther was either hit by lightning or just missed the lightning, but he yells out, Saint Anne, save me and I'll become a monk. He was saved from the thunderstorm. So. In 1505, much to his father's chagrin, Luther entered the monastery to become a monk. In 1507, Luther was ordained a priest in the Roman Catholic Church. In 1511, he became the doctor of theology, that is, he taught scripture at Wittenberg University in Germany. And he would hold that post until his death. So his whole life, he was a professor of scripture at the university. The Reformation is something he kind of did on the side. Here's a picture of the way Luther looked during his monastery days. Now, Luther had a very sensitive conscience. Luther would wake up in the morning and try to be real good, and he would fail. And every morning he'd be at the Father confessor Staupitz's door, ready to confess his sins. And finally, Staupitz said to Luther at the monastery, go read the book of Romans. And Martin Luther started to read Paul's epistle or letter to the Romans uh, from the New Testament, and a light bulb went on, and he rediscovered something that had been lost in the church. And let me explain what happened. Somewhere between 1512 and 1515 in that monastery in Germany, Luther had what is called his tower experience. He read Romans chapter 1 and he'd rediscovered that we're saved by faith in Christ alone without our good works, that we're justified or put right with God by what Christ did, not by our earning it. And finally, Luther had what was called the assurance of his salvation. He knew now his sins were forgiven. And he said, this passage of Paul, Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3, became to me a doorway to paradise and I felt myself to have gone through open doors into paradise and I felt myself to be born again. In other words, Luther rediscovers that we're saved not by being good enough because you'll never be good enough, you're only saved by the grace of God by what Christ did for us on the cross. This discovery uh, would change the history of the world. In 1516 Luther denied the necessity of mediatorial priests. That is, he said you don't have to go to the priest to get your sins forgiven. You can go right to God and confess your sins. And then came the fateful day in 1517 when Tetzel came through the streets selling indulgences. Let me explain this. Here is a picture of Pope Leo X. He wanted to raise money to build the huge St. Peter's Cathedral in Rome. When you watch uh, Christmas Eve, Midnight Mass, that huge church, back in the 1500s, they wanted to build that. So Pope Leo offered what's called an indulgence. And here's one of the men. This is Tetzel here on the screen. The the bottom left, you'll see Tetzel's uh, money box. And Tetzel walked through the streets of Germany saying, every coffer... excuse me, every copper that in my coffer rings, another soul from purgatory springs. In other words, put money in this box so we can build St. Peter's Cathedral. We'll get your grandma out of purgatory quicker. And Martin Luther, who's a good Roman Catholic monk, when he hears this, he becomes incensed because Tetzel is selling salvation. So Luther goes uh, to the door of Wittenberg Cathedral and he nails his 95 theses on the door of Wittenberg Cathedral. That happens in 1517. Here's Luther pounding up his 95 points of contention with the Roman Catholic Church. Now, remember, Luther's a Catholic. He has no intention of leaving the church, but he's trying to reform the church from within. Uh, It starts a bit of an uproar because a lot of these things people are in agreement with that you don't sell salvation. In 1517, Martin Luther, excuse me, 1519, Martin Luther denied the primacy of the Pope. In other words, he said, the Pope is not the head of the church, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Then in 1520, he did this. He wrote some letters to German princes saying, number one, we need to reform the church. Number two, you can stop paying tributes to Rome. Let me explain that. The, uh, the leaders of, of the medieval uh, countries would send lots of money to Rome. They were required to, uh, kind of, for their salvation. Luther said, that's not in the Bible. They have to send your money to the Pope. He also said that we should stop clergy celibacy. He said, where in the Bible does it say you can't be married and and be a priest? Peter was married. The apostles were married. So let's let the clergy marry because there was so much immorality among the clergy. Luther said, let them marry. Also, Luther said, let's stop saying masses for the dead. Uh, My dad was a Catholic. And when my dad died, I remember the night before we said, Hail Marys, our fathers, over and over and over. I think a mass was said to him. This, this is all done to try to get dad out of purgatory quicker. And Luther said, ultimately Luther would say, there is no purgatory. The Bible talks about heaven and hell. And when you die, that's where you go. And saying masses and paying money to Tetzel isn't gonna change somebody's uh, time anywhere. There is no purgatory. Also, Luther said we should stop doing pilgrimages. Now, let me explain this. In medieval Europe, poor people would traipse hundreds of miles to get to, say, Veselay, France. If you've ever been to France, there's a beautiful cathedral on the top of a hill built around the little finger bone of Mary Magdalene, supposedly. And so, so poor people would traipse hundreds of miles to get near Mary Magdalene's little finger bone. Why? To get time off of purgatory. And Luther said stop this. Uh, Luther also said we should stop religious orders, uh, monks and, and nuns. He said we shouldn't go off on a mountain somewhere and pray. We need, Christians need to be right down in the culture, spreading the gospel, not in a monastery somewhere. And Luther said we should reinstitute communion in both kinds. The Roman Catholic Church at that point in time was just giving the bread out. Luther said Jesus gave us bread and wine for the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. Let's hold to that. Well, um, as you can imagine, the Pope was not thrilled with what Luther was doing. And so in the year 1520, Martin Luther was deemed a heretic and... In 1521, he was kicked out of the church or excommunicated at the Diet of Worms. Let me explain this. This is a very interesting story. This is a picture of Charles V. He is the uh, king of the Holy Roman Empire, in other words, most of Europe. He wants to keep peace in his empire, but Luther's causing problems and there's divisions between Rome and, and Germany now. And so in order to keep the peace, he calls for what's called the Diet of Worms. That might sound funny, it's not eating worms. Diet is just a conference. Worms was the town in Germany. So what you had was Luther with his ox cart and a few hundred peasants coming to Worms, Germany from Wittenberg. You had the papal delegate, Jerome Alexander and the king of the Holy Roman Empire, all these huge big wigs from government and church and they descend on this little town called Worms. They go into the cathedral and Luther's been promised safe passage that Luther if you come here we won't kill you but you'll be able to debate your ideas so Luther goes into the cathedral with all the people gathered the papal delegate Jerome Alexander puts Luther's books on a desk and let me show you this picture here's Luther at at Wittenberg and Jerome Alexander the man sitting there to the right says to Luther do you renounce these works that you've written and Luther says no but let's get on to the debate And Jerome Alexander says, there will be no debate. Do you renounce what you've written? And now Luther realizes he's been set up. There's not going to be a debate of his ideas. Either he renounces what he's done or he's in trouble. And Luther said, I I think they gave him a day or two to think about it. And then Luther came back into the cathedral. Everyone gathered and he said his famous words. If we can go back to that picture. He, He said, My conscience is bound captive to the word of God. It is neither safe nor right to violate conscience or scripture. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. In other words, I'm not budging. At that point, Luther was excommunicated, and he's kicked out of the church, which means he's going to hell, according to the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, At that point, Luther was kidnapped, And when Luther was kidnapped, he thought he was going to be killed. His own friends had kidnapped him. They took him to Wartburg Castle in Germany and hid him out. During that time, uh, it was a year that he hid out in the castle. He wrote pamphlets. He translated the Bible into German. Now his beliefs spread rapidly all over Europe. He tells monks and nuns to get married to start to stave the immorality going on, and uh, uh, things are really starting uh, to change in fact, you can go to germany here 's the picture you can go to, this is the picture of of luther 's room that he hid out in during that year, and also here is the Luther as George the Knight he had to grow a beard, and this is I think it's uh, Durer, that drew this picture, who knew Luther, but he was brought in to draw a picture of a knight, and he didn't even realize it was his old friend Luther that he was drawing. Well, at the end of the year it was safe for Luther to go back home. He had some political uh, protection, so he returned to Wittenberg uh, University. He resumes his lectures. And then in 1524, Luther himself married a former nun by the name of Catherine von Bora. Luther starts writing hymns. People start singing in church again, because now that we know that we're saved by the grace of God, we can sing again. and We can have the assurance of our salvation. Here's a picture of his wife, Catherine. He called her Kitty, my rib, as in Adam's rib, uh, Adam and Eve, Eve being the rib out of Adam. Well, the, uh, the Reformation spread all over Europe. In the year 1529, though, came a split. Luther and Zwingli split on the Eucharist, that is, on what happens when you take Holy Communion. For Zwingli, it was a symbolic thing. For Luther, Christ really is present in the bread and the wine during Holy Communion. In 1530, Martin Luther approved what's called the Augsburg Confession. That's the official teachings of the Lutheran Church today. And then Luther made a mistake. In 1539, uh, Philip of Hesse wanted to divorce his wife and marry another. Uh, the Pope said no, and Luther said, well, marry them both. That was a big mistake. <laughs> Later, Luther tried to amend, but the damage was done. In 1546, Luther died. Uh, that's his grave over in Germany today, underneath the pulpit there. They used to make death masks of people, and this is, so they put plaster of Paris on the face, and that's exactly the way Luther d- looked as he died. That was his death mask. Well, that's the story of of Martin Luther. So let's get back to the big question that his life was centered around. Namely, if you died tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? A lot of people say, well, I hope so. But we're gonna discover what Luther discovered. There's a way you can know right now if you're going to heaven or hell. You don't have to hope. You can know where you're gonna spend eternity. But let me get to to question number two and, and listen to this one. If you died tonight, and God said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Let me give you the number one wrong answer. You ask your friends that question tomorrow. Nine out of 10 of them are going to say, well, I think I should go to heaven because I've been good. Let me explain. That's the number one wrong answer. I know of a pastor who told us about his Aunt Edith, an 80-year-old woman, a nice old woman, not a Christian woman, But one day, this pastor's wife pushed him out the door and said, go across town and talk to Aunt Edith about her soul. So he drove across town, sat in her lovely living room. She was quite wealthy. Well, Aunt Edith, can I ask you a couple questions? Yes, pastor. Well, question number one, if you died tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? She said, well, I hope so. And he said, well, the Bible says you can know so. But let me ask you question number two, if you stood before God... And he said to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And she said, I've been good. And because I'm a basically good person, I think God will let me into heaven. The pastor said, okay, Aunt Edith, let's see how good you are. Don't answer out loud, but just in your heart. I'm going to take you through the Ten Commandments. Let's see how you're doing. Commandment number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is God the most important thing in your life 24 hours a day? Have you ever let your beautiful home, your children, your grandchildren, has anything ever been more important to you than God? If so, you broke the first commandment, you deserve to go to hell. Commandment number two: Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Have you ever said, "Oh my God, Oh Lord, G G D et cetera, et cetera? Have you ever taken Jesus' name in vain? If so, you've broken the second commandment. You deserve to be punished for your sins. Commandment number three: Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He said, and Edith, do you go to church every Sunday? Do you love to worship God? Do you, do you observe the Sabbath, or do you maybe make it Christmas and Easter? Have you ever broken the Sabbath? If so, you've broken the third commandment. Commandment number four: Honor your father and mother. When when you were a little girl, did you ever disobey your parents, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera? If so, you broke the fourth commandment. Commandment number five, thou shalt not kill. And he, he said, when he got to this one, she kind of breathed easy, but he said, no, no, listen, the Bible says if you've ever hated anybody in your heart, you've killed them. He took her through six, seven, eight, nine, ten. By the time he got done with Aunt Edith, she knew she wasn't going to make it. And he said, Aunt Edith, are you really going to tell God on judgment day, let me into heaven, I've been good. And she said, no. And he said, where do you deserve to go when you die? And she said, hell. And the pastor said, me too. And he said, because you can't get to heaven by being good, because you're not. Because I can't get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments, because I break them and thought word indeed more than I keep them. God gave us a whole different way to be saved. And he said to this woman, would you like to know for sure when you die, you're going to heaven instead of hell? And she said, please. And at that point, he told her what's called the gospel, the good news. Listen very carefully. Up here is heaven, and heaven is God's perfect home. If you want to get into heaven, you have to be just like God is, absolutely perfect. And let's say that my billfold here represents sin. God won't let sin up into heaven. If God let sin in heaven, you'd have hatred, murder, crime, rape, abortion, pornography. It'd be America all over again. So God won't let any sin up into heaven. And this hand is you and me, a typical human being. And the problem is that every one of us is loaded with sin. We sin in thought, word, and deed daily. That's the bad news. We deserve hell. Here's the good news. The gospel. 2,000 years ago, God came down out of heaven, and God became a human being. His name was Jesus. He lived about 33 years on earth. He never sinned once because he was God. When he was about 33 years old, He took our sins off of us and put them on his own back. He carried our sins up to the cross. They put nails through his hands and feet and all the sins that you and I deserve to get punished for. He took our punishment for us. He paid for our sins for us so that God could forgive us. It killed him. He was buried. It says our sins are buried with Christ. He rose from the dead. Three days later, he goes back into heaven. And now God promises you, no matter what sins you may have committed, if you will turn to Jesus and trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, you're going to go to heaven when you die. And that pastor told us that that 80-year-old Aunt Edith became a newborn babe in Christ that day. Let's go back to the original question. On Judgment Day, you stand before God. And he says to you, why should I let you into heaven? Don't say, I've been good. He'll laugh. There's only one right answer. Before we get to the right answer, though, let me give you another wrong answer. Here's some other wrong answers. I get this one sometimes. Well, God should let me into heaven because I go to church. And our answer to that is walking into a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a barn makes you a cow. Here's another wrong answer we get. Well, God should let me in heaven because I believe in God, to which we say, the devil believes in God. The devil knows there's a God in heaven. Just believing there's a God up there doesn't save anybody. All right, so now let me explain the only right answer to how do you get into heaven. Let me uh, s- s- explain it like this. God is up in heaven and God is holy That means he's perfect, he's set apart, he's righteous. And man down on earth, all of us, man is sinful. Well, because God is holy, he has to uphold his holiness. That means he has to love righteousness and hate sin. Uh, So, the next slide here. But he doesn't want to send us to hell, but his holiness requires it. But gratefully, God isn't just holy, he's also very loving. He doesn't want to send us to hell. But what does he do? He looks down from heaven, and here's a guy who thinks he's going to get into heaven by being good. Here's a guy that thinks he's going to get in heaven by going to church. Here's a guy that thinks Buddha's going to get him into heaven, and uh, that doesn't work so that we can't get up so he comes down. And notice the arrow coming down from heaven. That is what's called grace. Where we are saved. The only way we get into heaven is not by anything we do but by what God did for us on the cross. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. The only way to get into heaven is through what Jesus has done on the cross. Now, let me explain this. I was raised in the church, in the Lutheran church, and I'm 19 years old at college. I'm leading a Bible study. And after everybody left, one of the college girls took me aside and she said, Tom, are you sure you're saved? and I got a little offended I said I think I'm saved and she said no are you sure And I said yeah (laughs) and then after she left I remember the dorm door closing and I'm thinking I I wonder if I didn't just lie because I wasn't sure I was saved and then it was about that time somebody explained to me this verse let me show you this verse first John 5 13 if you don't know where you're gonna spend eternity get the your Bible out and underline this verse I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. And the the person basically said, Tom, do you believe in the Son of God, that he died for your sins and rose from the dead? I said, yes. Look at the next part of the verse. That you may hope maybe that you have eternal life, or that you might get it if you're good enough? No. It says that you may know that you have eternal life. And then the person said, now, who, who wrote that verse? Who wrote the Bible? God wrote it. Can God lie? No. So if you believe in the name of the Son of God, what can you know for sure you have from now on." And then the light bulb went on, eternal life. I want to tell you, that changed my life. Up until that point, I was hoping I might get to heaven if I was good enough. When I understood 1 John 5:13 that it's by grace alone and you can know for sure because God promises it and he'll keep his promise, ever since I've been 19 years old, I know for sure when I die now, I'm going to heaven. Now I don't deserve it. It's not because I, I mean, I deserve hell is what I deserve, but. He who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. That's the promise of Scripture. And if you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, I would encourage you, you, you can uh, 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 turn to the Bible, read Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3, and have a Martin Luther experience, or turn to 1 John five thirteen and claim that for yourself. But where you're going to spend eternity is hugely important. Figure it out, and then get into church every Sunday. Let me, let me explain this. I, I use these two questions. Uh, are you sure you're going to heaven? And what would you say to get into heaven? I use those, these a lot. So I, I, I'm about to get on a plane. And I always pray before I get on the plane, Lord, sit me next to the person you want me to talk to if, if that's to happen. So I'm, I'm, I get on the plane, and the plane takes off. I'm sitting next to a 12-year-old boy from Florida by the name of Matthew. And I said to him, uh, Matthew, to go to church. Oh, yes, uh, First Baptist Church of Sarasota, Florida. I said, Well, good. I said, Can I ask you what they teach you at that church? I said, I'm a pastor at my church in, in Minneapolis. He said, Okay. And I said, Matthew, do you know what the Trinity is? He said, I've never heard of the Trinity. So I explained, There's one God in three persons Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He knew Jesus was God, but he didn't understand the Trinity. So I said to him, uh, let me ask you another question. Uh, Do you know how the world's going to end? He said, didn't know it was going to end. So I explained the second coming of Christ, that one day will hear trumpets, Jesus comes down in the clouds, the earth melts with fire, and then there's Judgment Day. Well, he hadn't heard any of that. So I thought I'd better get to the big one. I said, Matthew, let's say, hope it doesn't, but let's say this plane goes down in flames in a few minutes. We all die do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And I remember he just kind of was quiet, and he said, I don't know where I'd go. And I, I, again, he asked the question, where are you going to spend eternity? How do you think you're going to get in? And I explained to him what I just explained to you with the billfold, that it's not by you being good enough, because you'll never be good enough. It's only by the cross and by what Jesus did on the cross. And, And I explained all that to him, And then we started talking about, I don't know, baseball or something, got into other subjects, and I thought I was done. But I remember before the plane landed, he brought it up again. And he said, I just want to make sure I understand this. You don't have to die to find out where you're going to go. And I said, that's right. He said, you can know right now that you're going to heaven instead of hell as long as you believe in Jesus Christ. I said, bingo and end of conversation, never talk to him again. But but for those of you that are watching this show, nothing is more important than where, you, when you're, gonna, where you're gonna spend eternity. I'll, I'll just close with this. A man in my church came up and said, Pastor Tom, how long is eternity? I said, forever. And he said, no, eternity is this huge mountain made out of solid diamond, the hardest substance on earth. Once every hundred years, a little bird flies by, Rubs its beak once on to the top of the mountain, he flies away. Hundred years later, the same bird comes by, rubs his beak once, flies away. Hundred years later, rubs his beak once. And he said, When that huge mountain of diamond is worn down to nothing, the first day of eternity has passed. Have you ever thought about that, how long eternity is? Listen, I don't want you to go to hell. If you haven't done this, you need to say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I turn from them. I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins. And I'm believing in you, trusting in you to forgive my sins. And, and Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me the person you want me to be. If you've never prayed that prayer, you need to do that. You need to get into a good church and start going every Sunday. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. But your eternal soul is worth you being in church one hour a week. So believe in the Lord Jesus, rediscover grace like Luther did, but make sure you find a church because uh, you need the church to grow in your Christian faith. So that's the answer to the question, how are we saved? We're only saved by the grace of God, by what Christ did for us, not what we do for God. Amen.
0: Thank you for watching The Pastor Study.